Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm your host, Ty Kersley. This week's show, I Heart New York State Gun Laws Part 2. On January 16th, Gag held a press conference in Times Square addressing the upcoming Supreme Court ruling on New York State's ability to issue gun permits and, subsequently, the public safety of New Yorkers. We will hear from Linda Beagle Schulman, Mia Sinekal from March for Our Lives, and Gag's own J.W. Walker. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, Sarah Jermaine Lilly visits a local church that is fighting violence by collecting weapons in a gun buyback program. This programming is being brought to you by BAI listeners in support of the Tower Fund Drive. The Tower Fund will ensure that WBAI can broadcast into the future by helping to raise the $200,000 annual rent for the transmitter at Four Times Square. To make a donation in any amount you can, go online to towerfund.wbai.org or call 212-209-2950. We at Radio Gag thank you for your help in keeping WBAI commercial-free, listener-sponsored radio. The next person I'm going to introduce really doesn't need any introduction, but she's going to introduce herself. Linda Bagel Schulman, come on up. My name is Linda Bagel Schulman. My son is Scott J. Beagle. He was the teacher and cross country coach at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. February 13, 2018, I spoke to Scott as I did almost every day. I reminded him to call his grandmother and wish her a happy Valentine's Day the next day so he'll stay in her good graces. And I also reminded him to call his sister because her birthday is Valentine's Day. That was the last time I spoke to Scott. In less than 24 hours, I was standing in a command center in the ballroom of the Marriott Hotel in Parkland, Florida waiting to get any word as to the conditions or whereabout of my son. As we waited in the command center for some word about Scott, a man stood up and started to yell and demand answers from the members of law enforcement who were in the command center. I did not know at the time, but that man was Manuel Oliver. In retrospect, The yelling could have been considered expressions of anger, but they were not. As we stood there waiting for answers as to the fate of our loved ones, as the seconds turned into minutes and the minutes into hours, we intuitively knew the worst had happened from gun violence. The Olivers and Beagle Shulmans are now part of a club that no one should ever have to be a member of. The bond between the Olivers and Beagle Showmans has been cemented over the last 1,433 days. We could have climbed into bed and pulled the covers over ourselves in despair and depression. However, our families decided that we were not going to mourn the loss of our loved ones, the loss of our sons. We were going to celebrate their lives. 
and do something about it. Patricia and Manny have their Walkathon to celebrate Joaquin's birthday every year in August. And Michael and I have our Run for Beagle each October to celebrate Scott's birthday. Our families decided that we would do anything we could to put an end to the epidemic of gun violence so that no other parent feels the grief and sense of loss that we live with each and every day. Reasonable gun safety has become our life's mission. Saving lives from gun violence is our goal, and we do it through both education and legislation. You may see that as activism. It is, but it is gun safety activism. But what it should really be called, instead of gun safety activism, is it should be called advocating for the right to be safe and the right to live without fear. Everyone has the right to be safe and everybody has the right to live without fear. If you ask someone, do you want to be safe? Do you want to live without fear? Nobody answers you no. The LGBTQ community is one of the most at-risk communities in America. They should, should not have to live in fear for their lives from senseless and preventable gun violence. Let me also make another important point for you to consider. Since that fateful date, we have heard about 17 victims of the shooting, those who were murdered. By limiting the victims to only those who were killed, to those who were physically perished, and it does, does us quite a disservice and injustice to the survivors. We did not perish, but we are victims. The 17 who were shot and miraculously survived are victims. They will forever live with pain and memory of bullets entering their bodies, some with multiple surgeries. You, we just heard this young man tell you his story. All have emotional scars that will never heal. Images of their teachers, their friends, lying dead on the floor in the high school that they can never forget. Hearing the screams and the pains from those who were wounded, the crying from those afraid that they could be the next ones to be shot and wounded, reminders every day that force them to remember that awful day. The entire community of Parkland was affected by the massacre that day. A shooting always affects the entire community. A shooting that targets a specific community like the LGBTQ community, the Asian community, the black and brown community, the Jewish community, the Muslim community, affects the entire community because of the fear it instills in the people of the community. Patricia, Manny, and Guac's sister, Andrea, Michael, Melissa, and I are victims of gun violence along with the teachers, the staff, the students of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. As for the four of us, no bullets violated our bodies, but it, it is literally, there's always literally going to be a hole in our hearts as if one did. An important part of us died that day, but there's no cemetery plot and no grave marker. We have not taken our last breath like our sons, but it is also very difficult to breathe freely every single day. Sometimes the grief and pain is so unbearable and overwhelming, it consumes our lives, even if for just a moment. You, every one of you here, is a victim of gun violence. You may not have been shot, and you may not have scars from, from wounds, okay? 
but every one of you is a victim of gun violence. You know Manny, you know me, you know somebody who's gone through ridiculous gun violence. You two are victims. It has touched your lives. The four of us will work every day to try and effectuate change in our gun culture and stop the epidemic of senseless and preventable gun violence. We do not want to take away anyone's gun. Words matter. It's gun safety, not gun control. Words matter. We want anyone who owns a gun or is thinking about purchasing a gun to be educated and a responsible gun owner. That's all we ask. That is why we believe in red flag laws and extending the time for background checks and the banning of ghost guns, which needs to be banned federally, not just in the state of New York. Ghost guns are ridiculous. We also believe that legislation is only one part of ending gun violence. The other part is the need for education. We have to show underserved, at-risk children who are so impressionable and, and vulnerable that there are positive alternatives to guns and gangs. We need to start them when they're young. We don't need to wait until they're incarcerated and have used a gun or something like that to rehabilitate. Let's start when they're young so that we can teach them a new way. We have to continue to raise our voices and not let them be drowned out by all the other noise. Because right now in government, there's so much noise that if we don't keep our voices heard, we're going to go to the bottom of the list. And that's not where we want to go ever. We will never, ever go to the bottom of the list. We will keep our voices heard no matter what. We all have the right to be safe and we all have the right to live without fear, and we need your voices, we need your friends' voices, we need anybody's voices that you can get them to use their voices, because together we can end the scourge of gun violence in this country. I believe it, and if I believe it, I know it can be done. Thank you. To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at gazeagainstgunsny on Facebook and Instagram or gag no guns on Twitter. Come to a meeting. Here in New York, we meet one Thursday a month at 7 p.m. virtually and in person in the Manhattan LGBT Center on 13th Street. Our next meeting is January 27th, where we'll be planning all kinds of great actions and protests. So please join us. Everybody is welcome at any and all gag events. And another great way to get involved is becoming a WBAI buddy. A WBAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. Just go to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Also, donate to our Tower Fund today and help WBAI take charge of our rent to four times square. Visit towerfund.wbai.org or call 212-209-2950. Thank you. And so now I'd like to introduce 
Mia Seneschal, the Deputy Organizing Director from March for Our Lives. Hello. I'm here to share with you that young people are watching. What we've been crying out, what we've been demanding since um, 2018, when we walked out in millions, is that we deserve life. We have a fundamental right to live and live without fearing for our lives. But today, the NRA and its radical friends in the gun, gun lobby want to threaten that right. They want to threaten young people's ability to go to school, to go to houses of worship, go to movie theaters and play in parks without fear of being shot. The Supreme Court has a duty to protect our right to live, but America's children are watching and watching closely. The fact is, this isn't an abstract legal question. New York's common sense gun laws keep deadly firearms out of public life and away from neighborhoods and places that we call home. But if the court agrees with the gun lobby's radical idea of the Second Amendment, they will turn 300 years of Second Amendment jurisprudence on its head. And countless children and young people will pay for it with their lives. Thousands of children already suffer the consequences of a freewheeling gun lobby every year. The Supreme Court must ask itself, is it willing to condemn even more children to the entirely preventable epidemic of gun violence? As gun deaths and gun injuries soar to historic proportions, will they tie one hand behind our back as we try to protect those of us who are most vulnerable? The choice is clear. We have a fundamental right to life and to live without fear of gun violence. The Supreme Court must uphold it. Young people will inherit our nation. We are watching the actions of those responsible and we won't be silent. Thank you, Mia. People of this country, if the Supreme Court overturns New York's safer gun laws, that means that the safer gun laws in every major city in this country and in every blue state in this country that has sensible gun control laws, they will all be overturned overnight. And the Supreme Court needs to think about that because the gun control laws in Washington, D.C. will also be overturned. And the Supreme Court needs to think about who might be coming for them based on some decision that they make at some point against someone and some person who is unstable, who suddenly has the ability to get a gun and carry it freely in D.C. under their coat. The Supreme Court needs to think about that when they are making this decision because it's not just the lives of every New Yorker, it's not just the lives of every tourist that comes to New York, it's the life of every person in every large city in this country and in every state and in our nation's capital, including those nine justices that are sitting on the Supreme Court. So we hope that they will think about that if they don't want to think about the safety of the American people, if they don't want to think about the safety of our children in our schools or our citizens riding in subways, then let's just hope that along with thinking about their legacy, because after every horrific decision, they go around talking about their legacy and how they're not partisan hacks, 
So if they want to think on those venal terms, think in those venal terms, and they also better think about their own personal safety and their own lives, because if they decide in favor of New York Rifle and Pistol Association, they will be deciding against their own lives, their own safety, and those of their families. So that's our message to the Supreme Court. Thank you, everyone, for coming out today. We love you for coming out in the cold. Uh, hopefully, somebody in D.C. will hear what everyone had to say today. Thank you again. So, Sarah, you went to a gun buyback on Saturday. What would you learn? What would the uh, listeners yeah. like to know about it? So I've been hearing about these events for a while, sponsored by the former, well, our new mayor, uh, uh, when he was borough president and uh, Eric Gonzalez, Brooklyn DA's office. And I was really curious about this. And then I had some other connections in my life. Um, my uh, church's cooperative parish was interested in, in hosting a gun buyback. And then I was walking home through uh, Fort Greene Park and I saw the posters. Sure enough, it's at a Methodist church not far from where I live. So I stopped in on Saturday. Man, there were that was place was hopping. There were people there from the 67th precinct, the Brooklyn DA's office, uh, the parish, and I met um, Reverend Boone, and he shared with me how the whole thing got organized. So did you see like people with guns and, and you could see what kind of guns they were bringing in? Yeah, you know, it turns out that people with guns are people. So they had shopping bags or they had uh, a uh, duffel bag carrying case, um, different ages, different ethnicities. Um, they were up to 13 guns when I came in. And, you know, I had to wait for some time. They had a, a press conference later and I just went into the waiting room so, while I was waiting to talk to Reverend Boone and just struck up a conversation with some people to see what was going on. And turns out they heard about it like that morning. Uh, one gentleman had inherited guns um, and uh, this is an opportunity to turn them in you get a $200 cash card for each operable weapon and an iPad just for wow. turning in your weapons. Yeah. And uh, then even if the weapon was inoperable, um, you would get uh, $25 just for bringing it in. Okay, great. So, and then you were able to speak to the Reverend, you got time alone with him? Yeah, he is really a great guy. Um, he's he's former uh, police detective in um, he's a former police officer in Nassau County now a minister and yeah he'll tell you how he how um, he got interested in doing this uh, gun buyback. So this is Sarah Jermaine Lilly and I am here with Kath Moon of the Vandiver Park United Methodist Church. And we're together today because Vanderveer is holding a gun buyback program. 
no questions are asked, guns are collected from the community and there's an exchange of, well, I'm going to let Pastor Boone tell you about it, a little bit about the program. Well, sure. Um, and thank you. I, I really appreciate being able to spend this time with you. Um, this is a collaboration between the district attorney's office, the state senator Kevin Parker, Farrah Lewis, the 67th Precinct Council, and of course the NYPD. Um, and I just think, first of all, it's great that all of these different agencies and entities uh, have a mindset to come together for the benefit of us all, or of the benefit of our community. This is not the first time that the DA's office has done this, and so they really are the lead agency. And um, we've partnered together to allow individuals to come in anonymously from anywhere, basically, and turn in um, guns, whether they're functioning or not. And in exchange, they uh, receive a $200 gift card for an operable gun, as well as an iPad. Um, may not seem like much, but it's just a little incentive to get those guns off the street. I mean, can you imagine just one gun, um, a life that is, is saved, that grandmother who worries about that gun in the, in the cabinet and her grandson possibly getting a hold of it, um, or that parent who um, has had it for so long and, and, and now their children are a little older and curious and, you know, they want to get it out of the house before their daughter gets a hold of it and either hurts themselves or someone else. It's a worthwhile endeavor on just so many different levels. We're saving lives. We're teaching agencies that normally work in their own silos to come together, especially in this age when there's so much talk about the distance and, and the tension between police and community. This is one way that we can push back against that narrative and show that we're able to work together, um, that we're interested in working together. I think we're all better off for it. Absolutely. You know, I'm wondering how Vanderveer became interested, if this is a tradition with the church and the community to do this sort of thing, and how, what was the connection between a gun buyback program and maybe the DA's office and putting this together for today? Well, it, it, I, I really think God's hands in it. Um, full disclosure, I'm a retired detective from Nassau County. Um, and so I kind of see that as part of my ministry. Uh, where, and I also teach um, a cultural diversity class for Nassau County Police Academy. Um, and so it's kind of in line with what I've dedicated a good deal of my life to, bridging the gap between police and community and working from the inside to make positive and productive changes for um, people who are not traditionally associated with those organizations. I've been here at Vanderveer since July, and uh, actually when I was at King's Highway prior to this, King's Highway United Methodist Church, it was in my heart to collaborate with the police, and I did. Um, met some wonderful police officers from the 6-3 precinct, and uh, we began to put in motion the idea and talk about how we could collaborate. When I got here, I think it was Pastor Monroe's that said, hey, what do you think about doing a gun by that? And I said, you know what? <laughs> I think a lot about it. We talk to me. You know, it just, God does that, right? That's how God works. He brings it together. And, and in God's time, um, it just manifests when, you know, all hearts are ready. It comes to pass. And the rest is kind of history. Um, Pastor Munro's put me in touch with the DA's office who came and, and 
um, looked at the venue, the site here, the church, and 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 figured out if we could make it work. And um, when they decided it was a go, then we just included the other partners and everybody helped get the word out, and here we are. <laughs> you know, wonderful. I see the hand of God all over it. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. Once again, thank you for listening and for your support of WBAI. From everyone at Radio Gag, have a great and safe day.